0: Man, I can't help but sing those anthems like that. And just re- we are, I'm just reminded of the preeminence of Jesus Christ and how compelling the gospel is. I hope you never get over that. I hope you never get over what Jesus did for you. I hope you never uh, just become settled and just that becomes something common to you. It is the supernatural divine act of God that he sent his own son to die on the cross for our sins to be our king. And you and I get the privilege to be here and worship him together. Isn't that awesome? Don't ever get over, don't ever get over that. Don't ever get over that. We're gonna be in 1 Peter 5 this morning, and uh, I'm just trying to stay in 1 Peter as long as I can, I think. Uh, the Spirit said, just do two verses today. I'm gonna to stretch this thing out to 13 weeks in First Peter, I think. We got one more week in us after this, but we're in 1 Peter chapter 5. If you remember. Uh, last week we were in 1 Peter 5 verses 1-4 through 4, and we talked about leadership, Christian leadership, spiritual leadership and what that looks like for, for pastors, for ministry leaders, those that are, have been called to lead and what that heart looks like and what it means to be uh, have a vocation, which is a calling of God on your life and that's not just for church ministry. We talked about how God has a vocation for each of us and it was a real privilege last week in the end of both services to be able to pray for those who are in that posture of just seeking out and asking God what they would have for him to, to do in their lives. And it was just such a privilege to pray over you guys in that way. And it's interesting because uh, the next two verses, verses 5 and 6 of 1 Peter 5... Peter shifts gears, and before he was talking to the elders, because he says, I appeal to you as a fellow elder, talking about elders there and being shepherds over the flock of God. In verse 5, he says, now to you, uh, the other folks, if you will, the, the younger ones in the congregation, he turns from the leaders, and then he kind of turns to everybody else. And I want you to think of the fascination and obsession uh, that our culture has on leadership. I mean, there's a whole section in the bookstore when you go... A whole section on leadership. We're obsessed with leadership development, leadership training. We want our kids to all become leaders. We celebrate our leaders, and sometimes in an unhealthy way, we worship them. And we, we need maybe some thought about followership. If we have leadership over here, then maybe we should think about followership and how do we really follow well? Because we we talk a whole lot about leaders, but they're also some of the best leaders are the best followers. Because there's not a section in the bookstore for following or fellowship. I mean, what does it mean to follow well? So we're going to see this in verses 5 and 6 of what it means to, to really follow after uh, the leaders that God has placed in our life. And so let's start in verse 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Peter says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Let's stop right there. So we already have in this verse two reflexives, and what I mean by that is it says, submit yourself and clothe yourself. It's this picture of you you making a decision, you making a conscious decision to do this. This is something that you choose to do to submit yourself here or to clothe yourself with humility. Now, he again has a, a subject here that he's addressing, and he refers to them. He says, in the same way, you who are younger and the original language, it actually says "newer." You newer people, okay? So he's not actually talking about. That's a nice way to say it, you young folks, you newer people. But he's not just so much describing uh, age as he is spiritual maturity. And so if you remember in verses 1 through 4, he's just talking to the elders. He's talking to the leaders. But then he says, you likewise, in the same way, everybody who's a little bit less uh, spiritually mature, those who are following, if you will, behind the leadership, this is the command that he gives for them. And there, there's an implication here, not more, of more than just age, but of spiritual maturity as well. And he gives them this command that if they if they would seek after this that God would would bless them and God would honor this. So what's he asking the rest of the church to do? Well, first thing he says is he's asking them to submit themselves, again, reflexive. there, submit yourself to authority. That's point number one, submit yourself to authority. He's also going to tell them to clothe themselves with humility and to humble themselves. So let's think about this word submission because uh, this word gets misused and abused sometimes in our our culture. But he says here in verse five that the younger folks, those who are, are, are spiritually less mature, if you will, than the leaders, he said that you have a choice to make and he says, I want you to yield yourself. I want you to submit uh, to someone else's authority. I want you to submit to the spiritual leadership of your church community. Now, people, again, position sometimes submission as a statement or an act of weakness. But I think it's actually the complete opposite. The, the picture of submission is actually strength under control. It is this idea of yielding oneself, yielding in your strength, yielding to someone else's authority. It's not a position of weakness is actually a position of strength when you think about it. The word submit is actually a Greek military term that means that you fall into formation. You fall into that military formation of the troop division as the call is given under the command of the leader. In other words, he is calling. Peter says, I need you guys who are following, who say that you're part of the church community. I need you to fall in line behind those that have been given that authority to lead you. I want you to fall in line and to to line up, to do, to cooperate together under that leadership that god has given and this is really if you think about it it's a call to trust it's a call to trust the spiritual leadership that god has given and to respond to their direction now again i told you uh, this is not something that sometimes comes naturally in fact he says you've got to submit yourself this implies that you choose from within yourself and by the way this also means that you're not under compulsion in some way but that you submit now why is that important Well, number one, submission is a sign of of maturity. It really is a sign of maturity. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, let's just take it a little broader. How how well at this moment? How well do you respond to the God-given authorities in your life? How do you respond? to the God-given authorities in your life because there's an implication here, I believe, that Peter is addressing. Because how, listen, how you view and how you submit, how you treat human authority really is indicative, if you will. You can telegraph that and to, to get some insight into how somebody actually views divine or the highest authority by how they respond to the earthly or the God-given divine authority in their life. Uh, this is kind of similar to uh, what I've instructed uh, uh, the ladies in my life, and I would tell every young person in this room, if you're dating somebody, dating a young man, this is why you, somebody has told you probably already this before. If they haven't, let me tell you this. If you're dating a young man, look how he treats his mom. So has anybody ever told you that, young ladies? How, watch how a man, tre- a young man, a suitor, if you will, watch how he treats his mom. Because Listen, how he treats his mom is how he's going to treat you when he marries you. It's kind of like there's a parallel there. If he honors and respects his mother, if he, if he uh, re, uh, you know, follows after her, her lead, if he loves her and cherishes her, takes care of her, doesn't yell at her, doesn't scream at her, uh, doesn't act in violence toward her, then more than likely he's not going to do those same things to you. Why? Because you can telegraph how he responds to that kind of relationship and to how he's going to respond in other relationships. It's in the same sense of, uh, broaden that out, teenagers. How Listen, how you respond to your parents as your direct authority, how you respond to them is really how you see and how you treat God. Listen, every adult in the room that's in a corporate sense or you've got a boss over you, how you speak about your boss and how you look at your boss, how you respond to your boss is some indication spiritually of how you view God. You ever thought about how you talk about your pastors, how you treat them in some way has a direct correlation to how you how you view God. Those authorities point to a higher authority and how you will, how you will treat them. And so do you, do you trust them? Uh, do, do you see them in a, in a sense of, 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 of love and respect there? And, and I want you to, again, think of this because submission is, is not just a sign of maturity. Submission is also a sign of trust. And again, this is a willful, conscious act to submit to someone because you see them. And, and, and it's hard because uh, some people don't earn that. you know. And I would say, as a pastor here, I am so encouraged uh, for the 12 years of having been here and seeing how the church has followed uh, my leadership and the leadership of the other pastors here. And I know that's a sacred trust that I'm aiming to protect, and I just appreciate the fact that you trust me in that leadership. But, but I will say it this way, and I, pr- I pray that you see that, is it's easier to submit, it's easier to trust when you know that person's heart and you know that they care for you and have your best interests. And the sad part is is that sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes you have a boss who doesn't have your best interests at heart. Sometimes uh, you, have, uh, you have a pastor who's abusing that position of authority. And, and the hard part is, is that, that that translates, this idea of, of trusting someone and submitting someone to someone translates into marriage, it translates into parenting, it translates into the workplace, it translates into the church. And sadly, we live in an age of distrust. And some of that's been earned by people who are in positions of authority, who have abused that place. They've abused that position. And that, the, the, those that are submitted to them, they have, they've abused them, they've berated them, and they've justified that somehow even to say, because you've been called to submit to the authorities. And I'll just put it this way. You need to, you need to hold uh, people in that position accountable to be humble servant leaders. And my prayer is that we have uh, led out in that way as the pastors of this church to lead you humbly with, with a servant heart here. Now, go back to the passage here. Go back to verse 5 again. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves, there it is, to the elders, all of you, here's the next one, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. So this is point number two, to clothe yourself with humility. This word to clothe is actually very unique in the scriptures. It's not used very often. But the picture here of the original language is an apron, that a server puts on, a waiter or a waitress. They put that uh, position, they put that apron over their clothes to protect them, but it actually is a posture of of servitude. It says, in other words, Peter says, you need to put yourself in a position uh, to be willing to serve other people. Peter's saying, get your waitress or your waiter apron on and get ready to serve some other people because you need to have an eagerness as one who is submitted, as one who is uh, in humility looking at other people to be ready to put the needs of somebody else first. In other words, I've got to even sometimes push away uh, the contrary feelings that I have and I still need to choose to serve. I need to choose to serve even when my flesh is crying out to be served. I need to choose to serve uh, when, when I don't feel like my needs are being met and yet I still need to go out and meet somebody else's needs. I, I need to choose to lower myself even when I feel like I've served and it hasn't been reciprocated to me. And that's hard. It's hard. It's easy to say that. But Peter's saying you've got to choose to put that apron on, if you will, to put that place, that, that position of, of servitude and be willing to put the needs of other people first. In fact, he even uh, gives it a little qualification here. Go back to the verse here. He says, do this uh, with humility in what direction? He says, clothe yourselves with humility toward whom? One another. He's talking to the Christians in the church. He's saying, hey, look, when you are submitted and when you are humble, there's going to be an eagerness. Listen, there's going to be an eagerness to serve each other here. There's going to be an eagerness to serve each other in the fellowship. I mean, our church should be this place where we gather, a body of believers who are gathered together who are eager to serve each other. What would, listen, what would a healthy, humble church look like if, listen, if everybody rolled up on this hill with that apron on, they got their servant clothes on, they come up here ready to serve somebody. They're not looking to be served, but they walk into this building, they, they represent East Pickens in this way, they represent Jesus in this way, and they have that servant heart to say, what can I do to serve somebody today? How can I meet somebody's needs today? How can I humble myself, clothe myself in humility, and serve somebody instead of seeking to be served? Because... If you take the opposite of that, think about a dysfunctional church culture where people just come to be served. Where they're not coming to put the apron on, they're coming to be served and let everybody else serve, come to them and, and meet their needs. That's an ugly picture of the church where people are operating in the pride of life and they're seeking to be served Uh, by everyone around them they're not others focused it's purely for what they can get out of people what they can get out of the relationships what they can get out of the programs that are offered to them and instead of yielding to god and yielding to their neighbors they demand for everyone around to serve them what kind of church would that look like so having said that how are you serving others right now in the life of this church Are you in that position? Listen, do you roll up on this hill on a Sunday ready to put on the apron so that you can serve somebody else? Or do you come expecting to be served? Peter here says, clothe yourselves. Put on that servant apron. Get, Get ready to serve. Let's serve each other. Serve one another. Let's build up the community As we're serving each other in humility and we're we're demonstrating the heart of Jesus as we serve each other. And what a beautiful uh, community is built up around that heart of serving each other, not just seeking to be served. Thirdly, Peter says choose humility over pride. And this is going to be a huge part of this. Let's let's revisit the end of verse 5 and pull in verse 6 here. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, and he get a quote here, God opposed. Now, look, think about the picture that's, that's described here. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself. There's another reflexive right there. We've got submit yourselves. We've got clothe yourselves. Well, now we've got in verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in Due time. Again, this humble yourself, clothe yourself, submit yourself are all reflexives here. In other words, these are decisions, these are choices that you have to make. These are things that you you decide to do. These aren't just like involuntary Byproducts of becoming a Christian like you receive Jesus you get his holy Spirit well you're naturally you're naturally going to have a submitted spirit you're naturally going to be humble no Peter here is saying you've got to choose to make this uh, to, to have this kind of heart this is a willing decision you have to make because it results in a certain kind of way that you treat each other this results in a certain way a certain lifestyle that you will have when you willingly submit when you willingly clothe yourself in humility and you humble yourself now just so you know, this command doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's actually so many times in the Bible where this kind of command is given. I want to give you a couple of them from the scriptures. Listen to this. It'll be on the screen. Exodus 10, 3. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. This is in the, uh, the, the Exodus story. And told him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go so that they may worship me. Matthew 23, 12. Jesus said, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 14, 11, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Luke 18, 14, I tell you, this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. James 4, 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do you hear a pattern? fact there's actually a binary listen there's a binary decision here to make that i'm either going to choose to humble myself or i'm going to choose to exalt myself think about that for a minute what it means to exalt yourself when we think about exaltation we think about praise we think about giving honor and value and and putting that as the highest place so in, in other words you've got to either humble yourself or exalt yourself let me ask you a quick question this past week and how you treated people, how you lived your life, and the decisions that you made Were they more about humbling yourself or were they more about exalting yourself? Because as we go a little further back into 1 Peter 5, there's, there's direct correlations to that and the choices that you make in this binary choice of exalting yourself or humbling yourself. Why is it important to humble yourself, by the way? Well, here's the deal. You get to preventatively... listen. Preventatively and proactively humble yourself because if you don't, listen, God has his way of humbling you. You get to either do it at right now preventatively in the early side of this or, listen, God will orchestrate circumstances around your life, allow things to happen to you to pull you down from your pride in his own way and on his own timetable. And I need you to take my word for this because this has happened in my own life. Do it now. Humble yourself now and don't wait on God to humble you because he will in his own way. Maybe you're already there. God's already got your attention because he's humbling you. You've been humbled. You chose yourself over God and there's been pain in the process. And I know this. Listen, God will shake the ground under your feet to get you on your knees in front of Him. He'll do it. And you, you can choose right now. Listen, you have a choice to make right now. Will I humble myself or will I exalt myself? Because if I choose to exalt myself, God's going to knock me down in his own way, in his own timetable. Or I can choose right now by an act of my will to humbly submit myself to him. When the family crumbles, when the job is pulled away out from under your feet, when the consequences of your prideful actions compromise the stability of your life, God will humble you in his own way. And you can choose, listen, you can choose to... Proactively humble yourself right now in this moment, or you can reactively choose to be humbled by God and how He wants to do that. He will do that in His own way and in His own timetable in your life, because He wants to break you from your pride. Let me go back to the go back to the uh, passage here. Look at that quote there at the end of verse five. God opposes the proud. Think about that. You stand in, he stands in opposition to. God is a bouncer in the doorway of favor to those who are prideful. But he says, Peter says, but he shows favor uh, to, to the humble. Peter here is saying that God will act, listen, God will actively work against those who are prideful. It literally means in the original language to treat somebody with contempt. God will treat you like his enemy if you're prideful against him. If you put yourself in authority over him, he will knock you down from that place. This is a very strong language here in this quote. He will stand against you in his power and his, in his authority to assert his authority over your life. And I need you to let that sink in for just a minute. Anybody ever have a uncle in your life, a fun uncle, or maybe a cousin? And y'all played like mercy or uncle. And usually, I mean, I was the... Like the squirt, that was the, you know, the, the runt in my family. So I always had these big cousins, and they'd want to, like, wrestle and, like, pin you down, you know, and, like, put, down, put you down on your shoulders down or in that grip with the, you know, interlocking fingers and get you turned up under, and you had to, like, at some point, like, submit. Like, okay, I give up, I give up, I give up. This is a test of, the, of strength here, a test of authority, you know, probably, like, picking out the pecking order in the room, you know, so to speak. You, listen, you don't want to get in that kind of position with God. Serious. Because he's the fun uncle that wins every time. He's stronger than you. He'll stand in opposition to you. Oh, but the favor of God for those who are humble. God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. As serious as that other picture was, the word "favor" means joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm—something that is lovely. Basically, Peter says, "If you'll submit to Him, if you'll humble yourself, then God will show favor to you. God will treat you differently." And this is why verse six says, "Therefore." <laughs> kind of like as I told you, I painted the picture for you. Therefore, in light of what I just said. It's probably a better choice, is what Peter's saying. I'm telling you, uh, you need to, like, humble yourself. This is a reflexive again. Choose, listen, choose humility. Choose to lower yourself now. Choose choose to put yourself, as it describes here, under God's mighty hand. So let's, let's see this as God's mighty hand. Here's God in his authority. Here's God in his leadership. Here's God in his power. And what we're commanded to do here, he says, humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand. So here's me and here's my life. I've been commanded here that if I, listen, if I will humble myself and allow myself to be under God's authority in this way, what he says is if I humble myself and align myself in that way, that God will actually lift me up. God will exalt me. Let me ask you a question. What's the opposite of uh, being under something, being over something? Does that make sense? So let's take the opposite of that. And what that means is if you see yourself as over god's authority in other words uh, you know you see yourself more highly than god now listen nobody in this room would probably admit that right god's bigger god's stronger god's greater you would never say that out loud but you might be living like that what i mean by that is If you are over God's authority, you're not under his authority, you're over God's authority, then you're living in a way that doesn't acknowledge his authority over you. And a person that's living over him in their life basically says, I'm my own boss. I call my own shots. I'm the captain of my own ship. I choose myself over God. I am positionally over God in my life. And so I am not under his authority. I'm over his authority. Now, what's interesting is we're told if we're under God's authority that he will Exalt us. Well, guess what happens when you put yourself positionally over God's authority? He won't lift you up. What's he going to do? Funkle time. He's going to hold you down. He will hold you down. He will put you, listen, he will render you powerless. He will assert his authority. He will assert his uh, power over you and give you a demonstration of his power that will not be fun. In that way, I want to be under his authority so that he is lifting me up. I don't, I don't want him holding me down. I won't, don't want God standing in opposition to my life. And this is why we're told in verse 6, humble yourself. This is a choice you make to lower yourself. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Are you living under or over God's authority in your life? All right, listen. Are are you enjoying the protection and the direction and the favor of God because you are humbly submitted to His will and He's calling the shots in your life and you trust Him and He's leading and guiding you and out of that trust comes the blessings of God or are you standing in opposition to Him and in your pride demanding your own way and God holding you down? Only you can answer that for yourself right now. But my prayer is, That if you find yourself in that place or you're finding the frustration of that moment, that you might, as Peter says here, choose today to humble yourself. Choose today to lower yourself. Put yourself under God's authority so that he will exalt you, that he will lift you up. Listen, you don't do this so that you might be exalted. That's just a byproduct of being in alignment with God is that God would take care of you, God would direct you, and God would guide you in your life, that he would help you to thrive. But that's in response, as we're told here, to that person that would say, I trust you. You know what's interesting? If you think about it, salvation, listen, getting saved, okay? Salvation really is submitting yourself to God's authority, really, ultimately. It's saying, God, you're in charge. Lord, you're going to call the shots. I sub-, Listen, I willingly submit myself to your care and control, and you're over me. And I'm going to trust you. And I'm not going to buck against you. I'm not in my own pride going to assert myself. I'm going to, I'm going to fall in and I'm going to trust you and submit myself to you. That's really what salvation looks like. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever done that? Because that's the ultimate authority to be submitted to. To humbly, listen, humbly and submissively allow God to be God. And to be the boss of your life. To be over your life. Is he calling the shots? or not because if he's in charge and he's calling the shots and giving you direction there's favor there but if not what's he going to do he's going to stand in opposition he's going to withhold he's going to hold not exalt you he's going to hold you down he's going to hold you back so where are you maybe you didn't even realize that's where the frustration is coming from right now in your life is that God's listen, He's trying to pin you like that fun uncle to help you understand who's more powerful, who's more stronger, who do you need to submit to? Maybe he's trying to get your attention today. Maybe you realize I've never submitted to this authority of God. Maybe there's an area of your life you're not submitted to in his authority. I'm on a practical level, as we're thinking about submission again, teenagers in the room, how are you responding to your parents' authority? Because ultimately that shows your Position how you think about God. Everybody who has a boss or somebody in authority over you, how are you speaking about them and how are you treating them? Because that really shows ultimately how you think about God. How are, you, how are, you, are you submitted to his authority or not? And by the way, for people in the room who have positions of authority, are you earning that trust? Do you have the people's best interests at heart that you're overseeing and that have authority, that you have authority over them? I mean, if God's here, where are you? Are you submitted to his authority, under his authority, or are you over his authority now? I want you to choose by an act of your will to submit under that. In every area of your life. And may, may God, God might bring something to mind today that needs to be brought under his authority. Some area of your life that you're in your pride saying, I, I trust myself better. I want my my will to be done. I want my, Position, I want what I want instead of being submitted and humbly submitted.